Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. I'm really looking forward to kicking into this next episode with Matt of Thrive Deeper. But just before we do, I've got some really exciting news for you. This is Stuart from the Thrive Deeper Network. Now, many people tune into a Thrive podcast every week. In fact, we are close to hitting 70,000 downloads from around the world since we started Thrive Deeper some four years ago. That's 70,000 downloads or 70,000 people potentially who have tuned in and listened to a Thrive Deeper podcast since we started. That's really exciting. And we are really encouraged by the feedback we receive on how these podcasts impact people's lives in very real ways. Now, our hope and desire is to continue to make the Thrive podcasts available for free. However, there are very real costs to make this happen. So, if you'd like to contribute to assist us in meeting some of these ongoing production and distribution costs, then we'd ask you to join our listener support program with a monthly subscription. Now, you can do this very quickly and simply. Here's how you do it. Just go to thrivetoday.tv. On your internet browser, thrivetoday.tv. At the top of the homepage, you'll see a button that says Donate. This will give you the option to support the Thrive Podcast with a donation of 5 or 10 or $50 per month. You can set your own support level, whatever's uh, achievable for you. So we hope you'll consider supporting this ministry in this way. To those who are monthly supporters, a really big thank you. Your contribution is helping us continue to provide the Thrive Podcasts to people around the world for free. Now let's get on to this next episode of Thrive Deeper with Matt. So you've got your um, you've got your paper copies there, uh, your paper copy well, paper. Uh, Bible, and I've you've got, got paper I, I have time too. well, I have I have got a sheet actually next to me with with the kings of Israel and Judah yeah, yeah. Uh, on it, just to uh, in in the, in these two columns, just to give me uh, and folks, a little bit of an overview. It's not just yeah. a sheet; it's an A three. I know A three yeah. with point eight font. Or That's something. right. So, yeah. You know, so I worked out how to do the A three thing on our on our printer. So <laughs> you'd be happy to know. But otherwise, I've got my iPad. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which uh, yeah. which I I have uh, Kings and Chronicles, uh, so Ready yeah. To welcome you know? to the guided tour That's through it. the Book of Kings. That's it, and we're we've got a big we've got a big section in terms of what's happening to cover yeah. in this episode as yeah. we come out of sixteen and lead into chapter seventeen. Um, mm. So why don't you give us a bit of a recap on where we've got to and and the trajectory as we're seeing yep. here for both Israel yep. and Judah, and that would be great. So. We're thinking big picture here, and and I really, the, we really want. I guess that the goal here is to uh, give our listeners a, 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 as as I said, really a guided tour, not in the details, but yes. in the the general framework of this book, uh, to help you to understand what's going on and why these stories are here, and why am I being told this, and why am I being the why is a very important question, Stu, because. Yep. That's really where the meaning of the text is, because it's not just these are not just historical, historical records. records. Yeah, they right. are historical, but um, this is actually a prophetic uh, document. You know, this is it's it's got a very rich message in it. Mm. So it's it draws from official records, 
Uh, so it is, you know, underscore the fact that it is uh, it is historical in terms of uh, the the information that it includes, but it's not historical in the in its in, intent in, in its intent yeah. really. I mean, it's, this was written. Kings was written yeah. while they were in exile in Babylon. Whereas yeah, that's right. Was written after the return. So this is kind yeah. of like, how did we get here? Yeah. Remember, let's remind ourselves. This is yeah, that's right. The writers trying to kind of unpack yeah. how we got here. Yeah. In, in in a sense, to try to find out how we get back. Yeah, you know? it's worth actually pointing out, Stu, and and again, it's a little bit of recap here, but the difference between Kings and Chronicles. Chronicles in the Jewish Bible, um, which has a different order of books to us, Chronicles is the last of the books in the Jewish Bible. So it's interesting because the the books of Ezra and Nehemiah and so forth are earlier in that light because they've got um, the law, the prophets and the writings, three divisions. Mm. And uh, so the law is the five books of Moses, um, Genesis to um, Deuteronomy. And then the, the prophets, the books of the prophets, are everything from Joshua through, including Isaiah, Jeremiah, and you know, so that's all referred to as the prophets. Uh, interesting, including yep. Kings, Kings yes. is part of that division of books called the prophets. Uh, and then you've got the writings, which uh, is the Psalms, is the bigger book. Mm. Um, in fact, Jesus refers to uh, the talks about the law, the prophets, and the Psalms, right? Because it, the the that third division was often referred to after the biggest book because the Psalms was the biggest book in that third division. So basically Jesus is talking about those three divisions uh, when he references that. Um, uh, I think the quote is something about everything that, everything that was done from the, you know, recorded in the law, the prophets and the Psalms, something like that. Um, uh, So you've got this last division and, um, and it's interesting that Chronicles is the last of the books, basically because I think the reason is because Chronicles does a sweep, starts with Adam, yes, uh, and does this. It has all of these genealogies, which basically is a basically a way of by mentioning all these names in the genealogies. It's really a summary of the history, as the names are mentioned. Mm. You're meant to say, "Oh, yep, yep, okay." This is a recap yeah. uh, using the names on everything that's happened, and then it focuses on the kingship of David now. Um, the chronicler is the big issue for the chronicler is what about the king is is the coming king yes uh, is seeding this hope for the coming king and when is you know when is the because they in some senses they still saw themselves in a kind of exile because mm. they were still ruled over um, by in at the time when chronicles was written by the Persian Empire so so the big question there is when is when is the Lord going to return to his temple? Yeah. Uh, when is the Messiah going to come to establish God's kingdom? And, and so recounting all of this actually sets the platform yeah. to say, see, God's been faithful in all these places. Yeah, that's right. It's not going to stop now. You yeah. Know, we've just got to be That's right. So, we'll And that's the point of focusing on David and the Davidic dynasty because yes. the Messiah that the chronicler is wanting to seed a sense of anticipation for, yeah. this Messiah is obviously um, – a king in the line of David. So he wants to show uh, the faithfulness of God to the line of David mm. and uh, to, to sort of seed that hope. Um, so that's why the book of Chronicles is this last kind of book because it summarizes the whole of the history uh, of of the Old Testament and uh, and it really leaves uh, leaves things hanging in a way uh, to, to um, uh, leaves this open question about the coming Messiah. So anyway, um, so um, 
so far we've been looking at the since the great kingdom of David and Solomon split in two. Yeah. Got the northern kingdom uh, with with um, now Samaria as its capital. Yep. Known uh, as Israel. In, known in, as in Israel. This, that's right. Sometimes also just a reminder to our listeners, this is going to help you when you're reading through the Bible. Sometimes it's referred to as Joseph right? Uh, because um, Joseph's two, the two sons of Joseph became two of the northern tribes, two of the bigger of the tribes, um, Ephraim and Manasseh. Mm. So, and uh, sometimes actually just referred to as Ephraim as well. It's yes. funny how yeah. they, the, you know, um, depends on who's all of these names. Telling the story, yeah, it? it depends on who's telling the story. Yep. So <clears throat> that's that's the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, with Jerusalem as the as the capital. Mm. So um, now, what we what the text shows us in with the flow in the northern kingdom is that despite whether the kings are bad or good, some of them are bad, some of them are good. God is faithful to his covenant with David. So there is always a king sitting on the throne. Uh, the D- Davidic dynasty is continued all the way through. Now, by contrast, and this is an important um, aspect of the story in Kings, by contrast, uh, God had promised to Jeroboam that if he followed him, he would establish also his dynasty, but Jeroboam didn't. didn't. Yep. And so uh, Jeroboam's son Nadab uh comes to the throne, but Nadab is assassinated yes. by Basha. So that that line is um, is cut off. In fact, uh, Basha actually kills off all Jeroboam's family. Yes. Uh, so that's in contrast to the fact that God is continually preserving David's line. But here is, you know, Jeroboam's line is cut, cut short. short. Okay. So then Basha rules. His son Elah comes to the throne and the question is okay is this going to be you know is this now a, another dynasty well no because Elar is assassinated by Zimri two years I think didn't that's he? right uh, yeah. and um, uh, and and so uh, and Zimri even shorter seven so, days yes, I remember, seven right? days and then <laughs> yeah. Zimri is assassinated by so Zimri assassinates Elar yeah. and then Zimri himself is assassinated by Omri uh, now during the the Omri's kingdom is a is a large and prosperous kingdom. Mm. The writer of Kings isn't interested in politics. Yeah. <laughs> he isn't interested. If we were dealing with history, yes. we'd have heaps of information about Omri because, as we've said, Omri was even known of in Assyria. Yes. Uh, they they referred to Israel as the house of Omni mm. generations later. Mm. Um, uh, Omri, uh, though, so he, he's a quite a prosperous king. Ahab, mm. and we're going to pick things up from Ahab. Ahab is his son. Yes. So, uh, the question here is: Ah, is this? Is there going to be an Omri, you know, Omri dynasty? Um, uh, well, uh, Ahab after ah- Ahab, uh, and is going to be the last of the Omri, yes, um, Omriite ki- kings. Yep. So, um, now here, he, Ahab has a twenty-two year reign. Just to yep. give a bit of yeah, give us, a, give us some summary. And during that time, he expanded his father's Omri's achievements um, and is, Israel's influence. Uh, his military force was one to be reckoned with in the region. Yep. Um, it was a time sort of 874 to 853 BC. I think it is on increasing regional yep. power, intentional, yep. uh, international prominence for Israel, yep. uh, economic prosperity f- for Israel. So in, in secular historical terms, they would probably speak of, of Ahab as being a fairly accomplished yeah. and uh, highly considered king for yeah. the nation of Israel. But of course... As we are about to discover, the Bible has quite a different perspective That's on right. the king of Ahab. Look, so. Ahab, and so remember we're dealing with the northern kingdom here. Israel. 
uh, Omri had established the capital up in Samaria. So yes. that's the uh, Samaria from which, you know, the Samaritans, the good Samaritans. Mm. Um, it seems to, there, there's this rivalry between Israel and Judah and the Jews, Judah yes. being the Jews. Yes. Pretty much from this time, right the way through, <laughs> and you know, in Jesus' day, it hadn't got any better because yeah. this, you know, that's how why Jesus can talk about the Samaritans mm. uh, in this uh, in this way. Now, things historically changed a bit. For the Samaritans became a kind of hybrid um, when when the Northern Kingdom was exiled. Yeah. Uh, some people stayed, and they the the Assyrians sent Assyrians to live there, and so they were kind of a hybrid group of people. Mm. Um, but that's another story. Mm. So yeah, Ahab does all of the things that kings did in the ancient world and that seemed to be fine in other places, but this is not fine in God's sight. Yeah. And um, uh, he is, well, he has, he gives at least lip service to Yahweh, mm. Um, mm. Uh, the, the God of Israel, but uh, he um, is a Baal worshiper. Yeah. Now, he marries Jezebel, and this is going to cause a lot of problems, mm-hmm. of course, uh, very famous problems. Interestingly, the the origin of this relationship between Omri uh, and the Phoenicians, so um, a part of, and I know we're talking about Ahab, but remember, yep. uh, Ahab married Jezebel. Jezebel. This was probably Omri's, you know, is engineering this for the sake From of this a trade alliance or trade alliance exactly, exactly. Yep. now the alliance with the phoenicians with tyre and sidon up there on the northern coast mm. phoenicia uh was directly north of the um uh, border of israel yeah. in what is today lebanon um uh, so the phoenicians were very important traders uh big with shipping yes these were the guys that if you wanted to be prosperous, you had to be – You have a relationship. You, you had to have a relationship with these guys, right? Because these guys are going to take you – you know, are really going to um, help you with your trade. Mm. So Solomon uh, made some big compromises really to get in, uh, you know, get in yes. with the uh, with the Phoenicians. Yeah. Um, uh, and and we see now that this this relationship right through this period, they is, Israel becomes very dependent on this relationship with the Phoenicians, and and so much so that when Jezebel comes down south, uh, she's really a kind of co-ruler with Ahab. A- Ahab is meant to be the king, but because the uh, because the Phoenicians are such an important alliance, mm. uh, she's going to have a lot of clout, mm. and she's going to. Uh, She's going to be using that as as well. Now she is a devoted Baal worshipper, mm. and uh, she's in going fact, to in fact, wipe father, out the prophets in of fact, Baal. Her father Ethbaal, um, he was a king and a king priest, so he yeah. was like the Baal kind of yeah, that's right. guy in, yeah. in Sodom. And so you can imagine she's bringing that zeal, uh, yeah, as you know, that's from right, yeah. into into the state yeah. of Israel. And so she wants to watch. Basically, she wants to supplant yeah. the the the. Um, uh, the ancient faith uh, mm. of Israel and Judah mm. with this this Baal, um, Baal worship. Mm. So this is where, and this is the interesting thing here, Stu, this is where we get, uh, we, we're introduced to Elijah. Yep. And the stories uh, of Elisha and Elijah that are now going to lead us right into Second Kings play a really important part uh, in this story. 
we've also we've already seen a lot of prophets coming to this story. Now, remember, this is a prophetic. Uh, this is a prophetic narrative, yes. and so the role of the prophets is it's, it's very important in this. And we, we should, as you read through this, you need to take note of that because mm. the prophets are really the voice of God to His people, and in particular the kings. Now, it's interesting to note here uh, that in the darkest time, essentially, so we're, we're told here that Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him, right? Mm-hmm. And you think. Well, uh, you know, God's going to withdraw and just leave them to their own device. Well, actually, God doesn't stop speaking to them. In fact, the volume is turned up. up here. This yes. is the very time in the midst of this darkness that you get this amazing ray of light mm-hmm. in the persons of Elijah and Elisha who come and do these amazing uh, amazing things. Yeah, and just and just to remember, the state it got to was that that Baal was now the official religion of Israel. Yeah. It was the state yeah. religion. Now. Yeah, that's so, right. So it's not Which, like it was kind of there as well as it was the state yeah, religion. Yeah, that's know? right. And they're and they're wanting to enforce. I mean, so you yeah. think, man, we've gone. I mean, um, Jeroboam's worship was bad enough. Now remember, Jeroboam's worship was was. Um, it, the golden calves were meant to depict Yahweh, yep. you know, so it was it was a kind of a twisted form of Yahweh worship, mm. which because of the present because of the calves were also associated with ba- Baal. It mm. was really mm. um, yep. kind of smudging the boundaries there. Um, but yeah, through this time, it's and Baal she, worship and, is enforced. And Jezebel essentially, it's not like passive. She actually then goes out after all the prophets of the Sure Lord. does. And yeah. she wants to eradicate them. And in fact, we're going to hear about a, a person later, another prophet who hides yeah. a hundred of them. We'll, we'll come yeah, to that a bit right. later. But she's, you know, it's it's not just we'll we'll tolerate this. It's like we won't tolerate this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she goes hard after yeah. the prophets. Now, the interesting thing here is that we meet Elijah. Mm. Uh, so Elijah declares um, to, um, to Ahab that there will be no rain mm. uh, in the next few years, except at my word. Now, this is really interesting because Baal, of course, was the god of the storms. That's right. It, it was Baal. This is why Baal worship was so important, particularly in that region of the world. Fertility god. In yeah. Sense, really. uh, they, in that, particularly mm. in that region, they really depended on the seasonal rains. It's a very arid yeah. part of the world. And so Baal was the god who brought the rains. Uh, so Elijah declares to Ahab, as he has enforced Baal worship in, in the land, um, there's going to be no rain until I say so. Until I say so, as yeah. as the mouthpiece uh, of Yahweh. Yeah. Uh, now it's interesting. What then happens is that he goes out into the wilderness. Now this should remind us, and and we're going to get a um, a comparison here because um, in the midst of this drought, Elijah goes out into the wilderness, like, and we're reminded of Israel out mm. in the wilderness, mm. and he is fed the same way. He is fed in the wilderness. So you've got all these political machinations happening here and all these things happening for the sake of political prosperity. Yep. But the, the, Israel is going to flounder, you know, during this time because of this drought, which was three years. It's not like like a yeah, ten, ten yeah, minute yeah, drought yeah, or a yeah. few months. This was three oh, yeah, years. Was, where, was and Elijah was nowhere time. to be found, as you say. He yeah. was out in the wilderness. Meantime, Israel's going through this drought. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so you know, he he's has he's fed by ravens. He drinks from a brook there. Yeah. So God cares for Elijah, mm. and it's it's remember because it's not. 
what happens to Elijah is also prophetic. Mm. So the prophets not only spoke the message, but they embodied the yes. message. Yeah. So here he embodies a message of this is what it could be like, even in the midst of this of the desert, mm. it could be like this is the sort of life uh, God is saying to his people. This is the sort of life you could lead, but you're yes. instead um, uh, you, you're instead you've alienated yourselves from God. Mm. So then. Um, uh, Elijah goes from there, uh, and there'd be no uh, no rain. He goes to a widow in Sidon. Now, this is up in the area of Phoenicia, right? Mm-hmm, Talking about mm-hmm. the Phoenicians. So he goes up into that area. Which is where Jezebel's father was the ruler. Yeah, that's that right. Happens. Jezebel's no, father so. is the ruler up there. Yep, yep. And Elijah goes there, and because God had directed him to, to a widow to supply her with food. Mm. And remember, this also is prophetic. Yes. Um, so she, she is going to. Um, she's going to express more faith, a seed of faith, but more faith than in, in Israel. And so yeah. she's going to have this remarkable relationship with Elijah the prophet and through Elijah with Yahweh. Mm. You know, this is the irony of this situation. You've got this this Phoenician woman uh, up in the north uh, who's going to have this relationship uh, and, and is going to be blessed by God, is going to be supplied by God. She's fed. Um uh, she has. She's given this uh, the, the miracle of the jug of oil. Yeah. Uh, you might yep. uh, recall um, where he says to her, "The oil is going to is going to keep flowing within this jug," and so yes. she's able to sell it off. And uh, and and then, of course, he her son dies, and he raises her son from the dead. Right? Yep. This is yep. uh, remarkable. It's interesting. That's the first recorded restoration of life in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. You know that yeah. particular. Time yeah, there was, was a. Was, I, was I don't know if you remember the story of uh, in in um, uh, where is this Matthew fifteen? The story of the Canaanite woman who, in uh, I think it's in Luke's Luke's or Mark's account, we find out as a Syrophoenician woman, right? Uh, and she's the remember that time where this woman comes to Jesus and she says, "Will you heal my son?" Yeah, uh, my uh, no, it's my. I think it's daughter. Um, her daughter mm. had been uh, taken ill. Yes, and Jesus walks, doesn't ignores her, mm. right? And mm. so she goes after Jesus, and yes. and the disciples say, "You need to deal with this woman." He says to her, "You know, I've come to the lost children of Israel," and she keeps after him and keeps after him. And then he says, "It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs." She keeps crying out to him. You know, this is an this is a for Jesus, and he t- you know this particular instance is an example of this amazing faith this woman has. Who's not even an Israelite? Yeah. She's from Phoenicia, yeah. and then she says, "But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall beneath the table." And Jesus is just uh, is delighted at her faith. Mm. Well, it's interesting. She's a Phoenician woman. Her, uh, mm. you know, her daughter is healed because of this. So there's a real yeah, wow. kind of harking back to this story yeah. when, in a sense, Jesus in that instance is trying to show up the lack of faith of his own people compared to this woman from this Phoenician woman who has faith and receives a healing for her daughter. Well, here we have again, a Phoenician woman who receives a healing for her son. And Elijah was a complete stranger to her. Let's just go back when they, it's not like she knew of him or he's a complete stranger who, who he comes and says, you're going to look after me and feed me. And yeah, that's right. So it's phenomenal. Meanwhile, uh, of course, Elijah's being hunted down. Of course. I mean, he's being blamed on this. It's interesting. So there's some acknowledgement that 
that he's got something to do with this. The troubler of Israel. Yeah, the troubler of Israel, when actually, as Elijah points out, Ahab, excuse me, you're the troubler of Israel. Let's just be... So, so, you know, they're searching for... uh, Everyone's looking for Elijah. They can't find him. Mm. I mean, God's, Mm. you know, um, looking after him there. Um, uh, Ahab, it's interesting in 18 verse 7, uh, Obadiah is one of these guys. He's a good guy. Yep. He's the one that sheltered all of these prophets. He did. Um, and he's walking along. And it's interesting. It says Elijah met him. He's actually looking for a part of this crew that's looking for Elijah. But yeah. it actually, Elijah just turns up and meets him. Yes. And says, um, you know, I'm going to go tell Ahab. I'm going to, mm. we're going to have a little mm. chat. Mm. Um, and there's a bit of an interchange there. Which is a bit of a challenge for Obadiah because he'd kind of been able to keep it a bit of a – he was a palace keeper, so he actually yeah. worked for Ahab. Ahab. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he'd been right. able yeah. to keep this a bit of a secret, and suddenly now he's going to have to decide, do, do I declare my hand? And yeah. what risk is there for me plus the hundred prophets I'm hiding? Yeah, yeah, that's right. You yeah. Know, uh, so bit of a bit of a turning point for Obadiah. It is, yeah. Mm. So this brings us to the famous meeting uh, on Mount Carmel yep. um, uh, where – Elijah calls Ahab and the people of Israel, uh, gets them to bring all of the prophets of Baal, and we have this very famous contest. Mm. Um, I have stood at the top of Mount Carmel. It's a lovely view oh, uh, from there over the land. Very fitting uh, fitting place. Uh, there would have been – it would have been the perfect place in those – that's exactly the sort of place where you would have had a high, high place. place. Yep. Um, and so he calls on these uh, four hundred prophets, um, which kind of speaks to how big four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal. How big Baal was as, in terms of the religion of these four hundred and fifty yeah. oh, yeah. prophets. Yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, this is um, taking hold. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Um, so he actually wants. Uh, he also wants the prophets of Asherah mm. uh, as well. Now they don't end up turning up, mm. um, but. Uh, we we get the we get these four hundred and fifty prophets of Baal um, on top of Mount Carmel, and he has this challenge for them. Um, we're going to each make a sacrifice mm. uh, on an altar here, and which whoever whichever God answers by fire, here he, he is the true God. Mm. Baal uh, was the god, not you know, not only of the storms, but of the lightning, and so there's some expectation that Baal really should be up for this. Yep. Uh, the prophets of Baal, you know, okay. And in fact, Elijah probably particularly chose it for that reason. I mean, I think yeah. he was really trying to give the odds, stack the odds hugely against Yahweh yeah. so that when it did happen, there was absolutely no doubt here. Yeah, that's know. right. Mm-hmm. So this happened, and, and actually just on the prophets of Asherah as well. So they mm. don't, I think the reason why he doesn't get them, because he tells Ahab, go get these prophets. So Ahab brings the prophets of Baal. Mm. The prophets of Asherah would have been more closely associated with Jezebel. Mm. So it shows, I think, the fact that he couldn't summon them, even though he's the king, how much control shows actually how much control she has because they don't, uh, they don't turn up. So, um, so they, his prophets, um, the the prophets of Baal, they start their incantations and they're dancing around and they're Well before we get there though, he yeah. he kinda did ask the people first of all to choose before we went yeah, there. That's Are you true. gonna make yeah. a choice? Yeah. And and no one said anything because, you know, yeah. obviously Baal was now, you know, and they, they were probably happy with the fact that they could have Baal and Yahweh, but of course Yahweh is 
the one and only and won't be shared with anyone. And so well, they didn't really answer, did they? There's no record of the no, people actually well, it, answering the question. It, it actually says, but the people said, said nothing. nothing. When yeah. Elijah says, how long will you yeah, waver right. between two opinions? Yeah. People said nothing. They're probably scared. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Remember, there's been purges during this time, yeah. so they're probably terrified. Yeah. Uh, so, you know. Um, so then he moves on to the that's sacrifice. That's right, yeah. Mm. Um, and it's interesting the um, what these prophets of Baal have to do, you know, and mm. they they call out to Baal and there's no answer, you know, he gets to um, gets to noon mm. and Elijah begins begins to sort of taunt them. Yep. There's an element of humor, deliberate yep. humor in this story. <laughs> yep. there, there, there's a couple of places actually where you really do get deliberate humor right. um, in in the Old Testament stories here and this is one of those places because he's taunting shout louder surely is a god mm. you know perhaps he is in deep thought or, or or busy or traveling maybe he is he is sleeping and must be awakened um in fact on one translation maybe you get the, the resting uh, you know maybe he is relieving himself yeah, maybe he's in the bathroom yeah, yeah. he yeah. could be in the bathroom <laughs> uh, that's probably a, a, a more that's, accurate translation yeah, there it is a bit of a taunt um, for sure so so it says so they shouted louder and they mm. slashed themselves mm. with swords mm. and spears as was it, was their custom mm. uh until their blood flow showed you the sort of uh, thing this is so this kind of ecstatic uh behavior is fairly common mm. uh with these um this frantic mm. prophesying uh it's pretty well attested mm. um in in countries around the place but there's absolutely no response mm. uh elijah you know then says okay they're all exhausted uh at the end of the day he he uh, builds this altar of uncut stones as you know as the, mm. uh he 12 of them uh yep 12 of them which stand for the uh, tribes of Israel mm. uh and gets the sets out the wood and the sacrifices covers it with water bring water bring more water more water uh just to you know underscore yep. the the impossibility of this and then of course he prays this prayer and fire comes from heaven and you know, even licks up the water and the sacrifice. Yep. And yep. so the people um, crying out, you know, the Lord, he is God as you would, mm. you know, in that mm. moment. Mm. Um, and a pretty simple prayer. And it didn't have to go for hours. No, it was like right. a simple prayer and God answered immediately. Bang. Mm. Yeah. Um, after all of this, uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, that, well, the people turn back to God and we have this, you know, um, the, the the coming of the you know the return of the rains yep. really, yep. and um, and then we have this very interesting thing that happens to Elijah. Um, well, he orders Jezebel, the, all the Baal prophets get yeah they're all killed, seized and killed. Yeah, so Jezebel, you can imagine, she's serious. Yeah, she, <clears throat> you know she, she she's going to now step things up. Uh, so she sends when she hears about this, she sends. Basically, it's a death sentence on Elijah's head. I mean, it's really stepped up here. Mm. And um, Elijah's terrified. He runs for his life. But the rain came, hang on, the, the rain came before yeah. that, didn't it? Yeah. So so now, you know, God provides the rain. Yeah. Uh, because. Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's right. Baal. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but uh, Elijah goes up and yeah. prays and yeah. asks for the rain to come yeah, that's down right. and the yeah. rain comes. And so, you know, in, in a sense, that's even more frustration for Jezebel because. This guy could get the rain, and yeah. for three years we haven't been able to. So absolutely, right. yeah. So he runs and hides. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yep. So he's, he's um, you know, he, he's 
really dejected. He, mm. he, he goes into an interesting place here, mm. uh, Elijah. He travels um, to Judah. All the way down to southern, this is the southernmost town in Judah, mm. uh, Beersheba. It's in, d- down there in the desert. Mm. Um, he dismisses his servant in, in Beersheba mm. um, and he goes a day's journey further. Um, it's, th- there's almost this sense that he is giving up. Mm. Um, he, he's, he's so dejected and down. You think after, mm. uh, after what has actually yeah, exactly. just happened. Yeah. But his, you can you can imagine how discouraging because she's you yeah, know she's, she's stepped this up. Yeah. Uh, he has heard about other prophets being, but he's you know he's the only one really ministering. Everyone else is hiding. You can just imagine the whole that you know the the you know the nation is now serving Baal. Mm. I mean, mm. he's thinking, God, mm. what mm. what are you like? What are you doing here? This. I've, even that hasn't actually really Changed helped that anything. much, yeah. um, and and you know, and it's interesting then that an angel of the Lord comes to him, tells him to get up, mm. feeds him, gives him some. He ch- travels forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai mm. or Hereb, as it's called here, yep. the mountain of God, uh, and he spends uh, a night in a cave there mm. on Mount Sinai. So he goes. So this is. This is a really significant moment. Mm. He goes all the way back, forty days and forty nights. So it's it's the, the it's the journey. journey. Yeah, that's, that's right. it's the journey of Israel in the desert in reverse, yes. right? And he goes back to Moses to the time of Moses. And so this is where Moses encountered the burning bush. Yeah, this is where Moses, where the Ten Commandments was that's received, right. yeah. and also where he had experienced the glory of the greatness of God. Moses had yeah. experienced that. So it's fairly significant. Place yeah, he's gone back to. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's interesting though that the word of the Lord comes to him yeah. and says, "What are you doing here, yeah, yeah. Elijah?" And he says, "I'm, you know, I've been zealous for the Lord Almighty, mm. but the Israelites have rejected your your covenant, and all of the, the prophets have been killed, and I'm the only one left, and they're trying to keep." Fair enough. Like yes. really, yep. you know, imagine, you know, imagine if there were, if, you know. The whole of the church in this in, in, in Australia just completely decimated. There was no, you know, there was no one left. One, and you're the last person. Yep. yep. You know, I mean, you sort of heard of some people hiding away somewhere, but imagine how yeah, discouraging absolutely. that would actually be. This is the situation that he's in, and so so the Lord says to you know go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now this mm-hmm. again, this is the same kind of thing that happened with Moses. Mm-hmm. Remember the the presence of the Lord passed, Mo- put him in the cleft of the rock, passed him by. Mm-hmm. So uh, Elijah, so the, you know, it's it all start with Moses. The, it all started with him meeting God. It's yes. one man meets God. History changes. Mm-hmm. So. Elijah's taken back to this to this point, and um, but it's interesting here. You know, there's a great and powerful wind. You know, the Lord is not in the wind. Great earthquake. Why is it? You know, the Lord is not in the. Why is it saying it's not that? I mean, God in a sense causes these things to happen, yeah. but uh, but this is speaking to Elijah's concern, right? Because mm-hmm. Elijah wants, I want something. You got to do something big here, God. Mm. Something big and sudden mm. to change this. Like, why don't you just kill them and do some, you know, like what you did d- back in the time of Moses with Pharaoh? Basically, like, yep. why don't you do that kind of thing to mm. Ahab, right? Mm. So God is answering that. Okay, yes. so he's he's looking for an answer from God. Uh, okay, yep, I'll pass you by. Um, big storm, big earthquake, massive fire. No, nope. 
that's not what I'm doing. I'm not doing that this time. Mm. And then there's this gentle whisper. Mm. And, uh, and so Elijah goes out and the voice, and, and, it's, and I think it's identified with this gentle, you know, gentle whisper. So I think... We don't know what the whisper says, though. Do no, we? it's, well... All we really yeah. know is that the whisper was the message itself. The yeah. fact that it was a whisper yeah, that's right. was the message. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's mm. like a gentle... I mean, the, it's the, the idea of whisper and the gentle breath or the, you know, it's all... Mm. This is all kind of connected and it's also connected with the prophetic mm. word as well. Mm. So I think... What the significance of this is, is that here, the most important thing now is not these big signs and wonders, but it's the word of the Lord. Mm. See, up to this point, uh, God had done amazing things, you know, amazing acts of deliverance, and he'd established his kingdom, the great kingdom of David and Solomon. We got there. We've entered the land with all of these remarkable, you know, wonders. But now it's all about the word of the Lord. Mm. This is uh, now. There's going to be plenty of uh, signs and wonders uh, following this, but all of that is going to point mm. to the fact that these are prophets of the Lord. So, mm. so I think you know the gentle. It's like the Lord. Okay, I'm. It's not about that. It's all about. Uh, it's all about the gentle whisper now, and and the the willingness to actually listen, listen. to what God. Is saying which points a little people. bit forward to Jesus as well when the disciples were looking for the revolution that was going to you know take yeah by force the Roman yeah. Empire and Jesus is going no no that's not what, yeah that's not how that's right do this. exactly no. that's what they wanted they wanted yep. the fire and the storm yep. and the yep. and the earthquakes and they wanted all of that stuff but Jesus is saying no the kingdom of God is going to be like a seed mm. and remember the seed was the word mm. in the parable yep. it's going to be like a seed that planted uh, and it's going to yeah. give rise to a great kingdom. So it's all about, you know, it's this small, it's the small and the powerful small thing that's identified with the word of God mm. uh, that is going to change the situation, but not overnight. No, that's right. Um, Before yeah. we move on, I just want to go back mm. to where God sort of says, Elijah, why, what are you doing here? I yep. just wonder whether part of that is also he wanted Elijah to actually express how he was feeling, to actually Say yeah, to God, yeah, yeah. this is where I'm at, and and I think yeah. it's something we probably, you know, as Christians, we sometimes feel we can't go to God and say yeah. I'm really feeling like I'm the only one here, or, or whatever it oh, might it's be. Beautiful, it's and a beautiful conversation, exactly. and, and yep. Elijah has this. And God opportunity doesn't rebuke to him for it. No, and God doesn't right. rebuke him for yeah. it. Yeah, he just exactly. says, "Rest. Here's some more sustenance." Yeah. You know. Um, In fact, he goes through it twice. Exactly. Because right. uh, yeah. the voice says to him again, "What are you doing here?" And he brings it. Uh, brings this complaint again, mm. and mm. of course the psalms are full of. It, this exactly. could be a psalm. It's exactly. full of com, you know complaints yeah. like this, and so you know the Lord tells him go go back to the desert, um, uh, anoint uh, Hazael king over Aram, which is interesting. It's like you are, uh, this, I, I'm in charge of all the nations here, yes. not just Israel, yes. um, and also and anoint Elisha son of uh, Shaphat to succeed you as prophet. Mm. So he's you know. Elijah's there's there's still a number of things for Elijah to do yet, yes. uh, but um, but this is this is succession. You know, so in a sense, God's playing the long game here. It's not just about you. You're just a link in this chain. Mm. Um, and Elijah, we see Elijah as a you know as a fallible character here, but one that is devoted to God. A very fallible character that is devoted to God is used mightily by God, um, and and here he is retired, and Elisha's going to, um, in a little while, 
is going to take uh, his place. Now, just on those two appointments that Elijah's told to make, neither of those guys are part of the royal family. So this is essentially in both kingdoms, yeah. you know, inciting revolution, really. It's quite a dangerous thing he's been commanded. Ah, uh, yes. So, so he's told to uh, anoint Hazael, Hazael king over Aram, Aram. Yep. Jehu, Son king of, of Israel, right, yeah, in yeah. place of... So, uh, so th- that's... the. Kind of the answer because Jehu is going to be the instrument that's going to wipe out the family of Ahab, right? So Jehu actually is the instrument of judgment. Now Jehu's going to take that a bit far. Yes, Uh, he's. But um, so uh, so this is um, this is kind of God's answer. Mm. I'm in charge of all of this. Mm. Anoint anoint Jehu uh, and anoint your own successor. So uh, he does that. Um, So. it's interesting. Uh, I'm going to skip forward a bit here uh, because Ahab, God continues to speak to Ahab. He has some trouble with the, uh, the Arameans yeah. uh, come against uh, Ahab. Um, I'm skipping forward here. Uh, so, um, and it says, it talks, a, a prophet comes to Ahab. This is in uh, verse 13 of 1 Kings 20. Um Yes, uh, and says you're going to be delivered, just so that you know uh, that God is God can do this. It yes. is continually Ahab's continually being shown that God will, if if he if he only will turn, turn. back. Yep. This is the amazing thing about that story, because even at this point, even after all that's happened and the killing of all the prophets and the institution of of Baal worship in Israel, mm. God still is showing kindness to Ahab to constantly give him indications that if you will only turn back to me, yes. I will uh, I will turn all of this around. You'll yeah. be forgiven. Yep. This can be turned around. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the the significance of that story where uh, where Ahab is uh, enabled to defeat the Arameans. Um, that's just to cut that story short, but yeah. that's the yeah. that's the point exactly. of that. And I think it happens again later, where there's a, a, yeah. a rebuke, and and then he turns back, and God says, "Well, because of this, it's not going to happen in your lifetime." I, I think that is yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. That's right. Story, so. so, so that's the that's the point, and we're not going to go into no, those details, no. Stu. But um, there, there's quite a bit of space given to that story about how Ahab is enabled to uh, have victory. By with God's help over the Arameans, you think it's yes. in the midst of this story, yeah, yeah. Of and but you know, but then you get this story of um, the famous story about Naboth's vineyard, how Ahab sees this guy who has this vineyard mm. adjoining his own property, mm. says, Sell me your vineyard. Naboth quite rightly says, Uh, you know, this actually, this is the inheritance this of my, my father, this is my this yeah. is our, our ancestral property, there's no way we're going to do this. Jezebel. Uh, you know, she's. They do things, you yeah. know, uh, uh, other ways up in the north. She yep. says, "Mate, just take the take That's it." Right. You know, yeah. um, so she organised for people to falsely accuse Naboth uh, of uh, blasphemy. Mm. Um, uh, false accuser. This is like the worst thing you can do under the law, un- under God's law, which high, which puts such a high um, price. high price on justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is falsely accused. He's stoned to death, um, and uh, Ahab, you know, takes this, takes this vineyard. Yeah. 
But then, verse 17, yeah. the word of the Lord comes to Elijah the Tishbot, a Tishbite. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Elijah, we have Elijah comes back in here. He rebukes the king. He says, this is what the Lord says in the place. Dogs licked up Na- Naboth's blood. Yep. Dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Um, you know, Ahab comes back, you know, aggressively. Yes. Um, but he as he hears this prophecy of uh, of um um, Elijah's. Yep. He has a. I don't know what happens here, Stu, but he he freaks out a bit. There's Elijah also prophesies that Jezebel is going to be because correct, the same. Yep. You know, it's, the dogs are going to devour yes. Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel, which mm. happens um, mm. uh, under Jehu. Mm. Um, and it says down the bottom there when Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. It says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day, but I will bring it on his uh, house in the days of his son. That's talking about the destruction of the northern kingdom. Isn't it interesting that right here, in the midst of all that's happened, how this moment of... Probably slightly half-hearted repentance on uh, Ahab's part is enough for God to say, "Okay, I will respond." You know, yeah. if if you will turn back, if you will show just the least bit of penitence before me and humble yourself before me, things can be turned around. And so, it's this remarkable feature of the story that again and again you get these signs that even now, if you turn back. Uh, God will save you. That would have been enormously important message for these exiles thinking, is God still with us? Mm-hmm. Is he, can we still, can we move ahead from here, given that all we've done? And the answer here is yes, you can. We can always turn back to God, no matter how far we stray. If we turn back to him, he will rest- forgive us and restore us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. We really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading as we go through the Bible with Thrive. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper and thrive. Thrive.